if you do have a Bible, you can turn up Luke chapter 13. We're going to be looking at some verses in that chapter um, soon, but Joel will be flicking up those verses on the screen. So don't worry too much if you don't have a Bible. And I want to say again, as we start, that I am conscious that this topic might be quite raw for us. Because at some point in life, all of us will have to make sense of suffering. But some of us might be trying to make sense of suffering right now. And so when Joel asked me to do this talk, Joel's very organized. He asked me months ago. It was before coronavirus. It was before the tragic death of George Floyd. And so we live in a world that suffers and we are trying to make sense of suffering all the more at the moment. So I want to be sensitive to where we might be right now. Uh, but I'd like to suggest as we begin that we're not very good at making sense of suffering. We're not very good at making sense of suffering. So uh, rewind with me two years ago and my mother-in-law has terrible stomach pain. Uh, she's gone to A&E and she's actually undergone some emergency surgery overnight and for the next two weeks, all she can do is lie in her bed and not move a muscle. Uh, so it hurts uh, to breathe, it hurts to cough, it hurts to laugh. And in that situation, in steps a nervous son-in-law, me. Uh, what do you say? How can you make sense of any of it? And her suffering wasn't even half as bad as what was going on in the rest of the hospital. And so it seemed to me that I couldn't really say anything of real value. Well, I turned to a well-known expert in the task of making sense of suffering. The high street shop, Clinton's Cards. Uh, but it turns out their ideas are no better uh, than my ideas. So they either utterly trivialise suffering or they fail to offer any real hope. So, for instance, um, I went into Clinton's cards and I read a card in the illness section that said, sending you sunshine and smiles, happy thoughts and warmest get well wishes. Sunshine and smiles. Another card read, I've heard you're under the weather and you're feeling really ill. I wish there was a magic cure, a potion or a pill. It rhymes, uh, but wishing for a cure, it, it won't help. The most common card had on it what I call the three-word wonder, get well soon. Get well soon. Do it. It's more of a command, really, isn't it, than a word of sympathy. It just doesn't help at all. And now on my way out of Clinton's cards, I'd all but given up on buying a card there. Um, my eye caught a different section, uh, not the illness section, but the sympathy and loss section. And so I thought to myself, I wonder if those cards will offer anything better. And what I found was that if the illness cards trivialize suffering and offer no real hope, well, the sympathy and loss cards, they were lost for words. So one was just titled on the loss of your mum, and that was it. A one card, slightly better, it said, with sympathy, on the loss of your dad. But most of the cards in this section were just pictures, 
no words, just a golden field or a green wood. And it struck me that the greater the suffering, the less we have to say. The greater the suffering, the less we can make sense of it all. So the best Great Britain can offer someone, after generations of experienced suffering and all the wisdom that should come with it, well, it's a card that says, get well soon, or a card with some trees on it. And at some point, if it hasn't already, we won't be giving these cards. We're going to be receiving them. Now, sure, uh, you might perhaps say that Clinton's cards isn't the best first place to look. But I'd like to suggest that worldwide spirituality doesn't offer much sense of suffering either. They fall foul to the same two problems of trivialising suffering or offering no real hope. So let's take Buddhism. Buddhism would have us to believe that in some sense all of life is suffering. The religious self-discipline and a curbing of our desires can solve the problem. But to think self-discipline will keep the brain tumour from forming, it makes no sense of suffering. It trivialises it, it offers no real hope. Take Hinduism. Hinduism would have us believe in karma, much like Buddhism actually would as well. The belief that what goes around comes around. We get what we deserve according to what we've done. But that makes no sense of suffering. It trivialises it into a matter of balancing the scales. Less stealing does not equal less chance of being hit by a car on the way home. And of course, it offers no real hope. All karma tells us is the suffering that we will one day experience is somehow deserved. Then take Islam. Islam would have us believe that suffering is just the will of God. God's will is for some to prosper and some to suffer. And our response is just our response should be just to submit our wills to the will of God regardless. There's no real hope in that. Or perhaps we think we're just better off without spirituality and religion. But if that's us, we are no better off because we just end up with Clinton's cards. Suffering is trivialised, even humoured. And there's no help or hope at all. Now, thankfully, thankfully, my mother-in-law is OK now. Uh, at the time, I decided all I could do was go to the hospital, spend time with her and my wife and just say that I cared. But I'm sure we can all agree we need an answer to make sense of suffering because we're not very good at making sense of suffering ourselves. So where can we go? Well, I'd like to suggest that in order to make sense of suffering, we need two things. We need to make sense of it the way that it actually is. So we need the full truth in all its ugliness, and we need to be offered real hope. Not like Clinton's cards or world spirituality, trivialising and hopeless. No, we need the opposite. We need full truth and real hope. And I'd like to suggest Jesus is the only person worth going to. Because Jesus is the only person who makes sense of suffering in this way. 
He doesn't trivialize suffering. He doesn't offer fake, fluffy, hopeless answers. He gives us the full truth and he offers real hope. So only Jesus makes sense of suffering, really? Well, yes, really. And as we'll see, it's really, really good news. So we're going to look at an episode in Jesus' life. It's Luke chapter 13. Uh, good to have it open if you have a Bible with you. Just as an overview, if you've got that overview with you, we're going to look at verses 4 and 5 where Jesus offers, uh, gives the full truth, and then 10 to 13 where we see this real hope. So verses 4 and 5, Jesus gives us the full truth. Jesus gives us the full truth. So this time we're rewinding 2,000 years to first century Palestine. And what we need to know is that there's been a tragedy. A tower has collapsed in a town called Salome and 18 people have died. Uh, like the tragedy at Grenfell Tower that we remembered last week, the suffering in Salome must have been extreme. So much so that some people have even begun to ask the question, had these 18 people somehow deserved what they got? Had they offended God more than most people? And we're going to hear Jesus' answer to that question as he opens up to, the, opens up to us the full truth about suffering. So let's pick up from verse 4. Uh, Joel, can we have it up? We're going to look at verse 4 and 5. This is Jesus speaking. He says, all those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Uh, so notice, Jesus first wipes away the misunderstanding. So these 18 sufferers, they weren't worse offenders than most. If people die in a particularly bad way or suffer in a particular bad way, does that mean they offended God particularly badly? Well, Jesus' answer is really clear. Can you see verse 5, first word, no. Terrible suffering does not match with terrible offence. So those who died in Grenfell Tower and the Tower of Siloam, they're not more offensive to God than others. Jesus wants to be absolutely clear on that. But, well, here comes the full truth. The full, scary, ugly truth, right from the lips of Jesus, it's in the end of verse 5. But unless you repent, can you see that in verse 5? But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repent or perish. That's the full truth. So these 18 in Salome who died terribly are not worse offenders than God. Jesus rules that out. But they are offenders all the same. And Jesus is clear, unless we repent, we are offenders of God who will die too. So unless we repent, by which Jesus means, unless we each stop offending God and rejecting him, unless we turn to Jesus and submit to him as the king of our life, because he's the king of the world, unless we do that, we will all die an offender's death. So although terrible suffering may not match with a worse offence, our rejection of God does match with his rejection of us. Our unwillingness to repent, our unwillingness to turn to God 
and towards Jesus who forgives us of all sin, our unwillingness to do that is an offence to God. And we are offenders. And offenders, well, it always ends in the same way. Suffering and death. So these 18 and Salome, they weren't worse offenders than us, but they are offenders just like us. And so Jesus wants us to, re to realise that unless we repent, unless we turn to Jesus, their end is our end. Just as they perished, we will perish too. Now, now that's already very hard to stomach. But actually it gets harder to stomach because the Bible says that to perish is not just to suffer and die. Death is just the start, Jesus says. And when God rejects us, he rejects us in suffering forever. Our rejection of God and his king is matched by God's rejection of us for eternity. To perish is to face God's just eternal judgment. It's really hard to stomach. But can you see Jesus is dissecting suffering to get right at the heart of the matter? In a world where people reject God, God rejects the world. So whether we reject God angrily or in a state of, sort of laissez-faire ignorance, it always leads to the same result. No life, no God, suffering and death. It's unavoidable. It always happens. It fills our world. And worst of all, it's deserved. So if we think the question, why does God allow spot well far from it it actually reveals our weak spot we're all offenders who have all rejected god and god in his justice has handed us over to suffering and death and so i guess sometimes we don't really mind thinking and talking about other people's suffering we're kind of numb to it because we see it in the news the whole time but unless we repent from rejecting god turning instead to god's king jesus the suffering and death that we see in other people's lives, like these 18 in Salome, like out there in the world that we're seeing in spades at the moment, one day that suffering will just become our own forever. It's ugly, it's terrifying, it's inconvenient, but it's the full truth. And so next time we see suffering, Jesus, he doesn't want us to think about uh, what we think about God but actually what God thinks about us. He wants to wake us up and ask the question, have we repented or are we perishing? There's no third option. Jesus says we're either repenting or perishing. And so when we see suffering, we've got to ask the question, which are we? Verse five, unless you repent, you will all like Likewise, perish. That's the full truth. It makes suffering, it makes sense of suffering the way it is, the way our world is, not trivialized, not pulling punches. Our world has rejected God, and so God has rejected our world. That is why we suffer. That is why we die. So Jesus wouldn't go to Clinton's cards. He'd make his own card. And on the front, it would just say, repent. That's the full truth. The full truth. There is, of course, an implicit promise in what Jesus is saying, uh, which is that if we repent, 
if we stop rejecting God, but rather receive Jesus? Well, there is real hope. So let's move over to verse 10. We've seen the full truth. And now we're going to see the real hope. God, he could just leave us as offenders with no hope, but he didn't. He sent Jesus to give us that hope. So Jesus brings real hope. We're going to see that as God's king, Jesus has God's power to alleviate suffering and death. So let's read just a few verses on later on in this episode of Jesus' life from verse 10 to verse 13. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the, on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. I take it when we ask someone to make sense of suffering, we don't just want an explanation, we want a solution. Uh, no one in hospital just wants the diagnosis they want to be healed too. And that is the kind of sense that Jesus brings to suffering. Not just the full truth, but real hope as well. And we've seen so in these sentences. It's a Sabbath day, uh, the day of the week put aside in Jewish culture to remember the salvation that God brings. There's a woman hobbling with a bent, crippled back. She's oppressed, literally sort of pressed down by this disabling spirit. Luke says she could not straighten herself up. She's bent over. And she's been like this for 18 years. Presumably she's looked for a cure absolutely everywhere, but she's been, she's been unable to find it. 18 years, bent down. And then there's Jesus, who fixes her immediately. Just imagine, just imagine being there. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it a bit more slowly. Just soak it in, all that Jesus is doing here. From verse 10. Now, now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. Jesus is the only one who makes sense of suffering, because he's not just the only one who explains it, He's the only one who has power to remove it. Jesus, the king of our world, he is utterly unique. Only he has the power to deal with suffering, to fix this woman. And one day, Jesus is going to fix this world. One day there will be a new world with no suffering, no pain, 
no one will perish no one will face god's judgment and if we don't believe jesus can do that just look at this woman it's a little picture of the salvation that jesus brings from sin and all of sin's consequences this crippled woman she goes from suffering to glorifying god and that is the kind of real hope that jesus offers but of course jesus can't bring about a world like that unless he's fixed that underlying problem that we've been talking about our offense to god and the great news is that jesus has already fixed that in the most surprising of ways jesus he suffered himself he perished in the full sense of the world in the in, uh, full sense of the word so he, he took on the suffering for human offense and he died so that those who repent those who turn to jesus those who associate with him who turn away from their rejection of god and submit to jesus as their king well their sin is forgiven jesus has dealt with the punishment he's dealt with the suffering and he's risen to new life that he might offer new life to those who have come to him there is real real hope in the face of suffering because jesus has suffered in our place jesus will bring repentance people who have turned to him through this world full of suffering and full of death into a world that is not under god's judgment but a place where god is where we can be fully healed fully fixed in a world which he's promised no more rejection no more suffering no more death a world where wrongs are righted a world where there isn't eternal punishment and eternal perishing but eternal life a world with god where real hope is realized and repenters like this woman give glory to god for all that he's done now that is the kind of hope that jesus offers where suffering and death don't need to be the end of the story but where perfect life with king jesus is a real possibility but of course only if we repent only jesus makes sense of suffering really well yes really and it's very good news for us we know the full truth now repent or perish and if we repent well we have real hope hope that no one else can offer apart from the lord jesus sin forgiven life forever new healed fixed so as we finish will we repent or will we perish will we repent or will we perish if you haven't repented you must as you see suffering in this world like coronavirus well you must stop rejecting god yourself and turn instead to jesus repent submit to him as king trust him and receive the wonderful hope that he offers if we have repented well the way into the christian life it's the way on in the christian life as we see suffering keep repenting and keep turning day by day 
taking Jesus and asking for forgiveness. Jesus wouldn't go to Clinton's cards. He'd bring his own card, and as we saw on the front of that card, it would say the words, the word repent on the front. Uh, but on the inside of that card, it would show us a picture of the real hope that Jesus offers, real life after death, a world that isn't full of suffering and death, but is full of people like this woman, relieved from suffering, glorifying and in perfect relationship with God. Jesus makes sense of suffering, really. He really, really does. It's very good news. But as we've heard from the lips of Jesus this afternoon, we must do what he says. We must repent. Why don't I say a prayer and then we'll open it up for some questions, I think. Dear God in heaven, we thank you so much that you have sent Jesus into our world, that he might be our king. Thank you that he offers us both the full truth when it comes to suffering, but that he offers us real hope as well. So please help us, our Father, to repent. Please help us to turn to the Lord Jesus. And we ask it for his sake and for our good. Amen.